Today's episode of Chunky Glasses, the podcast, is brought to you by the Indivisible Guide, a practical guide for resisting the Trump agenda. It's a team made up of former congressional staffers uh, revealing their best practices for making Congress listen. That sounds like something we're all interested in, right? Right. Uh, you can donate to this group on their page at www.indivisibleguide.com. You can follow them up on Twitter, which is at Indivisible Team. Uh, we follow them. So if you just look at our followers, you can get it like that. They have weekly calls. They have put out emails. They they make uh, videos. They, they, they're keeping you informed so you can, uh, as the kids say, stay woke, and uh, we can maybe get some shit done. So that's Indivisible Guide. Uh, they are awesome. And now let's get on with the show. Here and it finishes here. Two men enter, one man Merely a two word review, just a shit sandwich. I will roll the record up to the last man. That right there is a lot of You're now tuned in to Late Night with Chunky Glasses of the Podcast. I'm your host, Kevin, as usual. Welcome back to the basement, kids. Um, we're here for another episode of Discologist. It's where we explore our classic albums and take a look at what, what got us to where we are now here in 2017. And this one is a special one. Might be going out to the ladies. I think it's just going out to everybody who believes in love. I, uh, I got hung up on listening to George Benson fantastic jazz guitar player one of the best in the world and then uh, but in the 80s he wasn't much known for that he was known for something called give me the night and then uh, i mentioned that to my good friend marcus dowling he said hey man that sounds groovy as fuck and i said yeah, right you want to hang out and talk about it and so that's what we did and that's what we're doing today and that's it uh this is a smooth cast that's why i got this smooth voice on and uh Gonna give you a little information, gonna hit you with that, gonna hit you with little groovy tracks, and uh, and then uh, hit you with a little opinionating, and then we're gonna get out. It's about an hour trip, an hour hang, so if you guys you guys are into that, that's good. You got your little cavazier by the side, got your fire roaring. Uh, why don't we head on down to the basement? Me and Mr. Marks Dowling gonna talk all about the classic album from George Benson. Give me the night. That's that's an argument I'll make. You got your uh, you got your cabazier? Of course, of course. We, we ready to do this? Yeah, let's do it. Why the hell are we doing this, man? Because it's a great fucking album. It is. And people deserve to people deserve to it know. Is. It is. I mean, I was thinking about how we pick discologists to do and so far we've done it by date and right. just like this is an anniversary but never something just because just fuck it because but but here's what happened i think you were listening to it a little but i've been listening to about like nine hours of george benson a day for the oh, past man. like six weeks man and um for for anybody listening who doesn't really know 
who we're talking about. Uh, we're we're going to play the hit in a second. But this is a guy uh, back, he began his professional career, um, I think at age like 21, but he made a recording right. when he was age 10. 10 years old. Oh my God. She makes me mad. It peaked at number four on the U.S. charts. Oh, yeah. Like like this 10-year-old kid. He came. I up, knew he was a prodigy. Yes, he was a child prodigy. Yeah, and this guy who has this like velvety voice mm-hmm. that is that is perfect and uh, comes up through the mid to late sixties jazz scene. Uh, Sixty four was when his first album dropped, right? And gets in with people like uh, Herbie Hancock. Gets in with people like Lee Rittenauer. Gets in with people like Carlos Vega on drums. Uh, shit, who else is in here? I think he did some stuff with Matheny. Yeah. Uh, I mean, he has singing with Patty Austin. You know, he's a vocalist and a guitarist. Uh, you know, and this is, the list is of who he's played with is unreal. It is every single jazz great in the 60s and 70s. Here's the thing, though. Yeah. Jazz wasn't great in the sixties and seventies. Well, we talked about we're, that. We're gonna we're gonna yeah, talk yeah, about yeah, that. Yeah, we'll in talk a minute. about that, right? But 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 the reason we're talking about this is is exactly because of that. Because what I want to find before the end of this is how we get to this track that we're gonna play right now. Uh, in nineteen eighty, George Benson had done the mm-hmm. jazz thing. He had been making records at that point for sixteen years. Yeah, he was like. Far out as like straight and narrow. He was doing mm-hmm. like albums of Beatles covers, like as which we mentioned on the yeah, last exactly one, the right. podcast. Right, right, right. Yeah. Doing all that. But it wasn't until uh and he had had a hit with Breezin, yeah. that album. And you and you heard him sing a little on that. Yeah. Which he didn't always do. Yeah, but it wasn't had. like a hit a hit. Like it was right, like right, right. it was like a, a semi hit. This is like a smash. Right, right, right. Yeah. In nineteen eighty, when yeah, you certainly don't remember this. I right. barely remember this. But what I do remember, it was huge as shit. He pairs up with Quincy Jones, and uh, and and this comes out. I think you would agree, and you've been saying this once we decided to do this. One of the best songs of all time, literally one of the best songs literally of all time. Literally one of the best songs. Like, like it's not, it's not like this is not some weird subjective thing. Like, no, we we didn't do the science, but give us a little time, and we can do the science to yeah, prove that I'll, this is. I'll break. I can break it down. Okay, like, so we'll do it throughout maybe, the episode. Maybe we'll yeah. drop some science. Yeah, here. there's there's actual you know, like science to this. Like, that that is uh, at the like. The dawn, at least in America, of punk right. in 1980. The disco is dying. People are like, oh, disco's dying. Disco's yeah. terrible. It also came at the end of a year in September, when earlier in that year, none other than Michael Jackson right. 
topped the charts with his debut off album, the Off the Wall. Right. Which, that's an album we probably should talk about at some point uh, in and of itself. Suffice to say, that album changed everything. Right. That was Quincy's big step back in yeah. to everything. I mean, he oh, had been behind the yeah. scenes. It's, it's funny, because um, Off the Wall was was the creation of Michael Jackson with Quincy Jones. Mm-hmm. And the thing that Quincy did was that Quincy was like trying to figure out a way in making off the wall to keep Michael's records from getting burned by people that hated disco. The disco sucks movement right. was a thing. Right. So rock albums are like ascendant. Like rock is starting to build up again and funk records are associated as disco records. So funk is like dying, like, like classic, Four on the floor, funky mm-hmm. '70s records that were played at discos. I, 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 are I mean, gone. I mean, to that point, like, think about what's what's going on at that time on the charts. Blondie "Call Me" was the number one uh-huh. song of the year. Yeah, like exactly of the year. Right. Another brick in the wall. Pink Floyd is yep. big up there. Prog rock, similar but not as good. Magic, Olivia Newton, John. That Xanadu soundtrack yeah. is money. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've already mentioned Michael Jackson. Uh, you've got a uh, holdover from, it's not this, it's like lame disco, Captain Tennille. Right. Do that to me one more time. So right. The, the but, creepy, that's, but that's more like Yacht Rocky. A little Yacht yeah, Rocky. Yeah, 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 yeah. But then you get lip sync. Funky Town yeah. is like, fuck it. We're not letting disco but it's go. Not, but that's even, but even that is not like, okay. So there's a, there's a thing that has to be said about like black disco records. Mm-hmm. Like if you were making like black disco records, if you were making like records that like, you know, sounded like, you know, like had like full orchestration, like if you had like these kind of like Philadelphia disco records that had like strings and things happening that were like, you know, mellifluous and mm-hmm. just beautiful and flowing and sounded a certain way. And the, the drums were hitting on that like real four on the floor, heavy funk, you know, oh, yeah. pattern. Oh, yeah. Those records were were dying on the vine. It was like all the yeah. the, the new electro stuff, like the stuff that like Giorgio Moroder was bringing into disco, like sure, you know, sure, like sure. and Lip Sync Funky Town is the exact Lip Sync Funky Town. That song was everywhere, right? In nineteen eighty, I mean, every right. fucking even where. even the vocal on that song is run through a synthesizer. Like yep. it's 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 an, it's an example of where we were at. So like when. Quincy gets Michael Jackson. It's like you have Michael Jackson. Mm-hmm. You have the voice of Michael Jackson, which is one of those like magical things that you you can do anything with. Yeah, and you're like, okay, well, we can't do straight up and down funk. Mm-hmm. Uh, so what what do you do? You know, like because you have to make this like a pop song. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but you have to make it also like disco ready in some way because you still want to have like a danceable song. Uh-huh. But at the same time, you also have to appeal to like a mainstream that like isn't necessarily going to like want to dance specifically. So you have to make these like just good, solid yeah. songs. And so he went to jazz. Yes. And he went to like this which, which was suffering so bad. I mean, look, I know all these guys were doing good for themselves and they were doing like so they're starting to leak into R and B a lot more. Yeah. And all all these jazz players of that era were playing on R and B records right, right, right. as studio musicians. No, so the thing is is like this goes all the way back to like nineteen seventy one. Yeah. When you have, like, Quincy Jones in 1971 is unequivocally one of, like, the great jazz musical geniuses of his era. He played with Lionel Hampton's band. Yep. That's where he got his start. Ah, Harlem. He's a Harlem guy. So he, like, comes out of that Harlem jazz, like, legacy. You know, Har- you know Apollo Theater, all of that. Like, he's come, he comes all the I way mean, through I mean, that. For, for kids who, who aren't aware who Quincy Jones is... Think Lucius Lyons, but a talented musician. Right. Like, that's, there that's you go. Quincy Jones. That, there you go. That is, right. 
So he's like brilliant. And then he's like doing things. So like you wonder, okay, why does this jazz guy have this pop sensibility? Yeah. The one thing that Quincy Jones did in the early seventies was that he realized like, you know, whereas like a guy like George Benson is doing Beatles covers, Quincy Jones got into the habit of making television show themes. So he did the theme for the original Bill Cosby show, mm-hmm. did the theme for Ironside, he did the theme for Sanford and Son. So like when you listen to see those shows, all those songs are all, those are Quincy Jones songs. Quincy Jones, yeah. Right, so he does all of those. And on top of that, he's getting into like, you know, the same field of music with these like synths that Stevie Wonder is getting into. Yeah. And Stevie Wonder at this point in the early 70s is like beginning this string of records that broke all musical records of all time. There's like six albums in there that are just like astounding. Yeah. And so he's getting into that and you have this like synthesis happening where you have like these jazz guys are now getting in because they're like, wait, so like we could do pop mm-hmm. and we could do R&B that sells tons of units. So yeah. in the same way that like Kendrick's guys, it's funny, I always look at this comparative like what Kendrick Lamar's guys are doing now with putting out their solo records is like when you started to play like on Stevie Wonder's biggest selling albums, mm-hmm. uh, the, the labels probably give, give you a shot yeah. to make your own record. Yeah, all this has happened before and all of it will happen again, man. I mean, right. that's, that's, yeah. that's literally so, what it's at. So 1975 is an interesting year. 1973, rather, is intriguing in the sense that like Quincy Jones gets signed to A&R Records. Right. And he's now believing that he's like a pop star because he's made... <laughs> pop records right right so he's like well I'm a, I'm a pop star now i'm a jazz musician but i'm also a producer and on this uh album you've got a bad girl which is also a song mm-hmm. from uh the last stevie album that came out prior to that music of my mind he gets with the wrecking crew as his backing band i did the research on this Kevin. Yeah, it's I know, crazy i know he did he's with the wrecking crew as his backing band so these are the people that have played on every single california made pop classic of the 1960s and early 70s mm-hmm. And he also does things like he puts together a version of Superstition that has Bill Withers, Billy Preston, and Stevie Wonder singing Shh. together as a vocal trio. Good lord. <laughs> like that? <laughs> <laughs> wow. The fact that that happened, like, I, I don't even know if I can handle it. Like, that's, that. like, that's the level that Quincy's at, though. Right. And, 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 and listeners, we're getting to a point because you can't tell the tale of George Benson without Quincy Jones. Yeah, so, like, so Quincy, Quincy's setting the... St- this, the table for all of this mm-hmm. and like he's opening up a door, door for jazz musicians to just become pop artists so you end up with like in 1975 Grover Washington Jr. puts out Mr. Magic Bob James puts out Take, Take Me to the Mardi Gras which is the sample for uh, Peter Piper by uh, Run DMC uh, Quincy Jones has an album called Mellow Magic and Herbie Hancock puts out an album called uh, Manchild mm-hmm. and these are like essential synth jazz records in the sense that now like since Stevie brought the synthesizers in and Quincy's brought the pop sensibilities in. And now all these other jazz guys are just like, wait, we all play free jazz. Yeah. And now we can use synthesizers. And we can now make pop songs. Yep. And it's like, oh my God. So then the, the door shoots yeah. wide open yeah. at this and point. It's a, and it's a new career, I think, for a lot of these right. people. Because, like I said, if you look at like what he was doing around Breezen, or even back in the early 70s and stuff, masterful albums but like that that live album i was playing you yeah like a, a 17 minute opening track yeah like that's not marketable it never was marketable right, but it's and, not, and it's, it's certainly it's, not it's marketable cool. but this is a guy that like was the child prodigy and is just like i'm gonna play guitar right and all of a sudden he sees 
there's a way. Yeah. So then by 1980, mm-hmm. we're at this point now where Michael Jackson gets involved in this mix, and Michael Jackson decides to bring in some of his some of his like super hitters from Motown because mm-hmm. by 1979, Motown is not like. Motown anymore? No, no, no. It's not. I mean, the building's still there, but it's just not. It's not the same. The, yeah. The, the yeah. The 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 players are gone. It's yeah. It's, so so, but but think about it. These are like legendary mm-hmm. session musicians who are just sitting out in the world. So when off the wall comes out, it's like Greg Philinganis comes in. He's an amazing synth synth player who played with Michael for. That album, Thriller, and he did some pieces on Bad as well. Mm-hmm. And he's a legend. Mm-hmm. So when George Benson, who's a prodigy, he's a, he's a prodigal talent, mm-hmm. just happens to like hit a point where it's like, okay, I need to put out a record. Like You get with Quincy Jones, who then pulls in all these other jazz dudes. I want to make sure that people understand this. He pulls yeah. in, also, he also pulls in Rod Temperton. Yep. Who was writing songs for Michael Jackson? It is the guy who wrote "Lady in My Life." He wrote, he wrote "Bad." He helped me co-wrote "Thriller." He also wrote "Give Me the Night." Richard T. on synthesizer bass. Yeah. <laughs> like right, like what? Yeah. So also, Greg Philan Goddess is there. Herbie Hancock plays mm-hmm. on this "Give Me the Night" album, and George Duke. So you have like three of the most like iconic synth players of that era, and. All these people are all inspired by all of this stuff that has happened. Yeah. And there's like, and it's like the, the time was set for like anybody. Like I always look at it like this. George Benson happened to be the right man at the right time. I think I, I would agree with that. But there's like, cause there's so much stuff that was happening yeah. to the point where like the first person that Quincy got his hands on also add to the fact that Quincy was working with the brothers Johnson. Yep. Who as a vocal group had a song called stomp. That came out after Give Me the Night. Mm-hmm. That was a giant smash because it was largely the exact same <laughs> exact song. Same song, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, it's like, okay, like, <laughs> yeah, like, this thing works. Yeah. So, but, but if you think about it, like, all of these elements, these, like, combustible elements, like, there's, like, Steve, we mentioned Stevie Wonder, Michael Jackson, Rod Temperton, who's the greatest songwriter of all time. Yep. The Wrecking Crew. Like, all of these people have, like, filtered through until this point where like we filtered all all the stuff that doesn't work uh-huh. so like all of the pieces that don't work yeah. like they just don't make sense it don't make like good for good jazz influenced pop music are gone yeah so it's like right here it's like bam and and it all filtered down into george benson just standing there smiling and be like <laughs> y'all want me to do a song called love times love and it sounded like this yeah When we never had a dime And our dreams Seem a million miles away But we made it, baby Facing the bad times with a smile Here we are And we're growing stronger
with a very sexy horn buildup. You know, I with a title like Love Times Love, uh, we're looking at the album cover right now. That matches his V-neck. <laughs> exactly. He's sufficiently... Um, he's got a cashmere V-neck sweater on. Yeah, he's, he's, having, a, he's having a good time. He's real, at, real talk, I'm going to tell you a funny thing. I wear cashmere V-neck sweaters in real life because of this album cover. Because of this album cover? Yes. Interesting. Totally. That is, uh, wow. I, I do. I, I wear cashmere, cashmere V-neck sweaters without well, anything under them. Okay. In, this, in a manner similar to so, George Benson. So, so this brings about, you know, we, we've given you the history of it, but, but I want to really contextualize. The one thing we didn't mention uh, of, of what was going on on the hits George Ren then was uh, Prince. Yes. I was going to get the Prince. No, I, I want to be your lover. Okay. Prince's yeah. first album. Mm-hmm. Um, you're you're so, doing a second half of history that I have sitting here, too. Okay. So, so, yeah, so, we're good. So, but something to remember, by the time we got to the 80s, is uh, it wasn't just that, like, disco is dying and there was transition. The industry was, much like what we're doing now, yeah. was starting to, like, falter. It didn't, not die. Yeah. Because we were a couple years away from CDs. Mm-hmm. We had cassette tapes, yeah. which were actually sort of new about I, I at that remember. time. Yeah, I remember. And we had uh, a lot, a lot of music like this uh, oh, from black artists who were like, "How do we top?" Now that Michael's done it, yeah. How do we get in there? It's still dancey, but it begs the question for me, uh, you know, of what you can do with the George Benson album. Oh, I got a list. Yes. Uh, so, so here's here's a couple things you could do that track. Just the one you just experienced here. Love times love. Can we yeah. agree that's 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 not a line you're gonna give to a lady that's gonna work. No. In 2017, <laughs> not at all. In 1980, it might. And oh, it absolutely work in 1980. Because first and foremost, you could dance this. Yeah. Right. Of course. You could also you could read a good book. You could sit back. Yes, you you just chillaxing at home. You could even take a bath. Yes, you can. Right. Absolutely. Another option, you can make a baby. Yes, you can. You can make a baby to that, right? Yes, you can. Sort of tied into that, you can enjoy some Cavazier in front of a fire. Absolutely. You know, that, of course. That, that'll work. That'll work, too. It works perfectly well. And if you're really feeling it, make two babies. Because <laughs> I, I think, look, the science is showing here, the George Benson, and that song, and that cashmere sweater, it's got a market effect on fertility. Oh, yeah. By, by all means, male female. I mean, this yeah, is, of course, it's, it's just, like, it's just the, the album just bleeds. Yeah, that. Yeah, this is this is uh, for uh, this is sex jams. Oh yeah, totally. And the, we were talking about it, but like you can okay. So like if you really know your early early eighties R and B, this is an album that created the more so than than um than off the wall. Mm-hmm. This album well, off really the, off the off the wall was very like G rated. Yeah, which. Given how Michael ended right. up, I want to mm-hmm. rock with you all night, dance with you until the sunlight. That's there, there was super, literal. There was literal, super, super literal, G-rated, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, but super lyrical. lyrical. Yeah, but, yeah, super literal G-rated lyrics. Like that, you're not a little boy. Yeah, so uh, not really so, that Yeah, but um, but no. So like, when you start to like really break down like just how many eighty songs sound this way and there's a certain belief that a lot of people have that a lot of this stuff is all very like ersatz or whatever but those songs like blended so many things together so well Mm -hmm. that they couldn't all help but sound the same way we were talking about Shalimar had a hit with second time around Mm -hmm. that sounds just like love times love 
You know, so and then you go all the way. And then like the thing is that there's a curious thing that happens when like you introduce Prince into the mix because Prince is influenced by Detroit techno. Yeah. Which is a a wholly different animal Mm -hmm. than what, you know, like New York disco was. For sure. For sure. So when you bring him in, then you get the in the introduction of the Minneapolis sound. So for largely in the 80s, we were talking about like pop, you know, top 10 pop selling black music. Mm -hmm. You had two very different schools of thought. You had the Quincy Jones school. Yeah. Which was like, we're going to do like jazzed up disco until the cows come home. And there's like a whole slitty. Which, which weirdly led to Luther Vandross. I mean. Oh, well, come on now. Like, I mean, oh, I'm not, I'm not never too bag, much. I'm not going to bag him on this one. Yeah, again, never too yeah. much. Could fit right in there, too. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yep. Exactly. And because there's that, there's that same, there's that same like metronomic drum. That not is only, like not a part only of that, it. he showed up at his house and was like, hey, brother, can I borrow this cashmere sweater? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> like, <laughs> has he ever come with a cashmere sweater, too? I'm sure he does. I, 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 know I he mean, does. You, know, you know, because it was that weird sensuality right. that is, it's scary how it was the standard, at least as portrayed. Even, you see it portrayed in movies, and I don't know, in communities, uh, we grew up in wildly different communities, yeah. but this is beyond this like dentist office music that we're talking about right. this was this this led to a domination of the airwaves what was funny is like when when white guys started to figure it out <laughs> did they ever figure it out oh god like um like like billy Vera and the beaters at this moment songs like yeah. that are definitely yeah, okay. influenced by like okay we can't do the disco thing but like the jazz pop line, mm-hmm. we could definitely find like the middle ground there. And there are all of those like really syrupy early 80s, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, like kind of rock, half tempo, like right. rock ballads that are right in that, like, like people call it yacht rock, but it's not really like, but there's, no, there's, there's no. some of that stuff is yacht rock, but there's this other thing that's like, Definitely George Benson influenced, like a lot of Hall and Oates stuff. Yeah, totally, oh, totally. Yeah, yeah in there. for sure, for sure. Yeah, like right. You know, but they they started in seventy two, like abandoned lunch and that, and they, but their albums back then were very very different. Yeah, so by the time you get to like H two O, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah then, then then they're doing George Benson. And, yeah, yeah, yeah. Maneater, like, Maneater, so, totally. So did this music take over this type of a sound? Do you, in your mind, did it take over from what people were doing? Because Especially then, at that point in time, there's a big difference between like white jazz mm-hmm. and black jazz. Well, I mean, because white became... jazz, we got into like shit that we like, uh, like Al Demiola. Yeah, which not white, but right. well, for the yeah. sake of argument, right. for the sake know? of argument, right? Yeah, Pat Metheny, all these yeah. great like jazz guitar players that were like wanky as fuck. I just posted a link to something like, can a, as a musician, can they be too good? And they jumped to the 80s to the metal guys, right? Right. Yngwie Malmsteen. No, they missed, they yeah, missed out on a whole... Right, they missed out on that whole... <laughs> my mom loved King G. Okay, yeah. Like, like well, my, this is... He's right in the pocket right. for this. Like, the funny part with, with, like, white guys playing jazz as opposed to black guys playing jazz is that, like, once pop music opened its, opened its ears and minds to, like, black mm. people who played jazz, like, strange things happened. Like, Al Jarreau became a, like, <laughs> pop-selling... Yeah. He did the theme to Moonlighting. Yes. Which is straight out of the George Benson School. Straight out of George Benson School, yeah. James Ingram, Billy Ocean, like all of these guys who were like, you know, kind of just like 
singing over beautiful jazz tunes. You know, for the large part of the late 70s, early 80s. And now yeah. it's like, all of a sudden it's like, wow, we can make actual pop records yeah. that, that don't make us have to like actually dance. We can just stand there in a, in a, in a, in a square, in a square shouldered suit. Right. And, you know, just kind of do the two step and do a little thing with the mic and yeah. all the ladies will love us too. Yeah. It's like, hell yeah. So for like straight up and down jazz for like white guys, it was like, I mean, there was a market for that too, because you could like, because sure. suddenly it was like, okay. So like jazz became jazz is secretly one of the, like the low key things that ran a lot of eighties milk toast pop. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Cause, yeah. It, Cause it wasn't like, because Quincy, leveled up jazz to this point where he took out a lot of the like improvisational aspects of it and yeah, took I mean, it out that, of that that's like, what this school. album is good for a song where i think we're, we're getting close to yeah 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 but 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 you know that's that's what a lot of this album is it is taking out the improvisation of that and putting in like the uh the pop music market idea of scat right oh, so much of which it. is you know that and i don't TV was different. Films were different. Like it's hard to think back to see how the stuff simply wasn't represented except on your radio dial. Yeah. So how it got into, uh, like say Southwest Virginia or like it, I mean it literally was everywhere. The song was mm -hmm. give me the every, night everywhere. was ubiquitous. So uh, it, it still is kind of amazing to me that 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 even happened and that Quincy Jones continued to do that. Like you think about how yeah. this stuff evolved from from this and went into, and it was almost like second guessing, like as as <laughs> as white dudes get like wonkier and wonkier because uh, what we're talking about too is a lot of like besides Kenny G, you, a lot of like jazz guitar players, right? That were uh, as a guitar player, I don't know, <laughs> I, I don't know about all that, but uh, you saw people uh, in like the black community and in like music. Who had been like they they bypassed that in the fifties, right? Right, and so yeah. now they're onto something else. But they're like, well, that's getting some cred, so let's like try to work it into it. Mm -hmm. and, and you get this layer of schmaltz that certainly exists on this album. Oh, there's 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 tons of it. There's no need for, but it turns it into this thing that will appeal to one community very differently than the other community, right? But then you get to a track like Moody's Mood, yeah, which is just. It's essentially jazz. Yeah, exactly. It's jazz. And so, right. uh, so this is Moody's Mood. There I go, there I go, there I go, there I go. Pretty baby, you are the soul of snaps my control. Such a funny thing, but every time I'm near you, I never can behave. You give me a smile and then I'm wrapped up in your magic Music all around me Crazy music, music that keeps calling me So very close to you Turns me your slave Come and do with me all the thing that you want to Anything, baby, just let me get next to you Am I insane? See heaven in your eyes Bright as stars that shine up above you In the clear blue skies 
now I worry about you Just can't live my life without you Baby, come here Don't have no fear Oh, is there wonder why I'm really feeling in the mood for love So tell me why Stop to think About this weather, my dear This little dream I made away There I go talking out of my head again Oh baby, won't you come and put our two hearts together That would make me strong and brave Oh, when we are one I'm not afraid, I'm not afraid If there's a cloud up above us Go on and let it rain I'm sure our love together would do a hurricane Oh, my baby, won't you please let me love you and get a release from this awful misery? What is all this talk about loving me, my sweet? I am not afraid, not anymore, not like before. So, <laughs> Moody's Mood, uh, yeah, Patty Austin singing those lovely background vocals. Shout out to Baby Come to Me by Patty Austin and James Ingram. Yeah. Which is, again, another song that is straight out of the school of... Mm-hmm. Give me the night. Like. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, this plays like, and this is George Benson, one of the most renowned jazz guitarists. Yeah. Doing a Nina Simone impression. Right. On an album that is made to be consumed by pop audiences. Of course. Who, who get down and do a bunch mm-hmm. of cocaine to give me the night. And then they get the album, take it home. And they're like, what the fuck is this shit? Right. Because I tell you, man, no- <laughs> but that's but that's the thing that that's the, that's the curious thing about all these records is that there's always like a moment on these records because you, you still have black music and white music at that point. Yeah. Where like, you know, like the quiet storm format had become a thing mm-hmm. in black music at this point because like all these songs sound alike. So like in places like Washington, D.C., like WHUR 96.3, they had a DJ named Melvin Lindsay who, like, uh, God, what's his name in New York? Um, Frankie Crocker, mm-hmm. you know, at WBLS, had the voice. Yeah. Ladies, it is, yeah. 10, <laughs> it is 10 o'clock at night. <laughs> and you are tuned yeah. in to WHUR 96.3. Yeah. And in the background, you'd have, this is Moody's Mood for Love by George Benson. Yep. Or you'd have, this is, you know, this is George Duke. You get you get the, and at the end of it, you get the purge, like, all right. Yeah, right, always, and it was like, like so... unnecessarily <laughs> heavily uh, breathing. Because mm-hmm, it's yeah. like, this is what, because every single song, not that these songs were terrible, because now we say it's like EDM, all the songs sound alike, and they all suck. All these sound alike. Uh, all these songs sound alike, but they're all great. They're all, they're all fantastic. <laughs> like, but it's like, so like, specifically that song, think about like a couple years later, uh... You get up to somebody like Harry Connick Jr. Yes, is bringing it. Is bringing in like from the New Orleans thing, but his his big hit is that when Harry Met Sally soundtrack, right. which is a bunch of jazz standards. It yeah. happens to be a bunch of jazz standards that uh, white consumers are right, pretty but familiar with. But down, it's the Pat Boone thing. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah sure. Well, and they're they're quite good. I mean, yeah, they're, but, they're, no, but they're not they're not terrible. I'm just saying that it's the right. Pat Boone thing as compared to like. The other thing that was happening in a lot of pop but music it's, at that it's point. built on a whole, like you said, the, the Quiet Storm, this whole, like, just mountain of albums of people doing this same type of style. Whether or not it launched from Give Me the Night, I, th- I think it actually might have. Yeah, oh, I, 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 I think unequivocally. This, I mean, this certainly was a landmark in getting there. And 
if you think about the nature of jazz, where you can, if you're a jazz performer, right, you go out and you have, maybe you have a set list or maybe you don't. Right. Especially if it's improv jazz and then you're like full improv. Yeah. You don't. But you all know the same songs. Right. And so what was happening after this album and on this album, all over this album, is they all have the same songs and it's just sort of tweaking a little and make it their own. Right. You know, but bringing this this vibe, which, uh, like, uh, I agree, it did develop into Quiet Storm. I don't think this is necessary. Yeah. This right. is a little too jazzy, but yeah. it, that's something now that is so missing from music. It, it's funny you said EDM. Yeah. The sameness is there, and the sameness, you're always going to have yeah, the same stuff. Right. But you could turn on those radio stations, or you can, like, seriously, if you have this album in your collection, if you have the vinyl, I'm coming over. Yeah. But if if you have, uh, for the sake of argument, let's say vinyl, if you drop the needle anywhere in this album, you're going to be sitting in, the, in just a mood. <laughs> exactly. And you're going to be like, well, this is this is groovy. Yeah. And and maybe your ladies over there, maybe your dudes are. It doesn't yeah, matter, right? Doesn't matter. And it's, you know, but it's so like unbelievably, as much as these songs sound the same, difficult to do that. As evidenced by, we don't do it anymore. Right. Well, the thing is, I, we don't do it anymore yeah, okay. because of not because of tastes. We don't have players like this right. anymore. Well, okay, so there's a there's a great argument. This gets to a good point. We're talking about like in this era. There were two very distinct styles of like jet non non improvisational jazz yeah. influenced pop in black music. There was like the Quincy Jones school that we talked about that was owned, pushed, curated almost solely from Michael Jackson's eighties mm-hmm. pop superstardom. Because everything from everything from Billie Jean to Bad. All the way through the way she makes me feel, all that stuff, all influenced by Quincy Jones's like dedication to this like style of non improvisational jazz. Yeah, and we're gonna take the best of the jazz stuff, and we're going to like almost like solely push it as like the thing that works. Then on the other side, you have and that's you have disco in there too. On the other side, you have like Teddy Riley and his like New Jack Swing, which is influenced by like four on the floor, heavy percussive. New mm-hmm. York City House Records, and you have like Prince's devotion to techno, uh, influencing Jimmy Jam and Terry Lewis and the Minneapolis sound. Mm-hmm. So you have these two sounds like going back and forth, and that's why these '80s records are so good because you have people that are taking the best of jazz, not just kind of like inventing jazz on the fly. So this is a different kind of thing than like you know like a Jimi Hendrix thing or a Miles Davis thing where you're like, oh, we're gonna in- improvise the whole thing and just make all sorts of brand new shit. It's like, we're going to take the best of all that shit that happened, and we're going to put it into every single record. Right. And, but, yeah. So, in your opinion, what was, the, what was the reason for that? Is that to, is that to uh, carry on the tradition sort no. of subversively? It or, was selling records. Or, or is that, or it's just, it's it's just, just believing to, in, like, this is the sound. Okay, it was the sound, and it was working, and it was working for everybody. Like, you could make a list. You could make a list that's like... Five miles long of people that were like African American, male and female R and B artists who had one hit wonders in the nineteen eighties. Mm. You know, Alexander O'Neill, Howard Hewitt. You know, like there's just guys and women. Patty Austin, who is the the goddaughter of Quincy Jones, whose yeah. entire career, like you know, started because 
she sang songs that met that standard. Stephanie Mills, you know, who Shaka was, Khan's up in here. Right, Shaka Khan's in there. Like, you know, there's, so there's all these people who fit right into a standard. Mm-hmm. And it was like, boom, you hit that, you hit that sweet spot. And it was like million seller because yeah. everybody was buying everything. So it's crazy. So then you get around this point around like 87, 88, where like, I feel like on some level, Quincy Jones had finally made every single permutation of like jazz record that he could make off of the style that he invented in like 1980. Yeah. <laughs> so like, yeah. and at some point it's like his production around like 88, 89 after bad came out kind of like ceases to like be so voluminous. Yeah. And yeah. at that time, I mean, the thing, the, the, the great thing was that like you had those new Jack swing records and that like, kind of like, Minneapolis pop thing happening yep. and then they coalesced yep. and you have like new edition and guy and all this new era of yeah. like soul artists who could also make danceable records that were not a little later boys to men. Yeah. Boys to men. Same, same school. Mm. Cause they're from, you know, the Bell Biv DeVoe school, which is, yeah, yeah. you know, new edition. Yeah. So you have like, and, and they eventually went out to the point where in 1991, when Michael Jackson puts out the dangerous album, Teddy Riley has replaced Quincy Jones. Right, but there, there's a sensuality missing in Teddy Riley's music. Right. That, that uh, to this day remains on I mean, I know we've... No, we've we, talked we, about it. We've talked we, about we, how Doomy is the point to me. When we just... Yeah, oh, is it? Okay. That's the point. When <laughs> Belle Biv DeVoe... Because Belle Biv DeVoe was dancing around us for the longest time. You know, they had, like, Belle Biv DeVoe in New Edition. They had, you know, If It Isn't Love. They had Can You Stand the Rain. Then they had uh, Any Heartbreak, which has a rap... They have a, they have a rap break in the middle of Any Heartbreak. That's about like underage sex, like underage groupie sex is mentioned on a new edition record, right? In like right. 1988, yeah. But it's but it's so benign you would miss it if you didn't notice it, yeah. Sure. So like, and then you have like those like souped up R and B guy records that are like the merry go round of love, or I'm gonna give you a piece of my love. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, it's like a piece of it's my love. Talking waiting. about the penis people, right? Exactly. <laughs> yeah. And then finally, around like 91, 92, Bill DeVoe finally goes, smack it up, flip it, rub, rub it, it down. And then it's like, you could do me in the morning, you could do me in the night, <laughs> you could do me when you want to do me. And at that point, it's like, there's no question what they're talking about. There's no yeah. subtlety or suaveness. Even the production is like, the drums are big and they're right at the front and it's basically a rap record and you're like, and on some level, like, New edition are like soul artists, so it's like this is all very confusing. Mm-hmm. And it's funny to, to link back to where we're going to go next. Yeah, is to talk about like how we got from to that point. From like, well, that's exactly what I want to talk about. Yeah, so from this point, so and a classic example of what we're talking. This will lead right into is the track uh, right after "Give Me the Night." Uh, what's on your mind? That that's a rhetorical question, by yeah, the way. So, right. but what's on your mind by George Benson? Heart. 
Maybe what's keeping us apart Is what we haven't said What's on your mind Are you looking for somebody new What's on your mind Have you seen the way I look at you Uh, that's the track from George Benson. Are you sure you don't want to fuck me, lady? Because I'm out here trolling for pussy. <laughs> and there it is. We got it on the podcast. Yes. yes. Oh, but it's uh, like, because it's like. No, but, but so that, that is literally the message of the song. Yes. I am out. <laughs> Not for the, the modern terms, yes. rolling for pussy, and and are you sure? Because I'm here. <laughs> exactly, I'm I, here. I came explicitly for this purpose. Right. So what is and on do you your see mind? The way you're, yeah. yeah. What's on your mind? Um. So <laughs> to that point, when that's actually some some pretty good finesse. Yeah. Because here's where here's where it doesn't work, and it doesn't work in any genre of music, and it never has in history. If the person isn't interested in you at all, this is not going to make them interested in you. But no. this is not what this music is for. Right. That's for maybe a romantic night with a longtime partner, but maybe it's just like, I don't know, maybe we're right. feeling each other and this is Exactly. And and that can be and George Benson sides up with his like cashmere sweater, puts his arm around you both and like, Oh, look at that. Yep. He's got. He's not wearing. He's not wearing socks either. He's not wearing socks. He's, wearing, he's, got he's some wearing amazing on. leather loafers. Yeah, maybe maybe leather pants. Yeah, maybe like a nice like you oh, know like yeah, yeah. like a nice like supple leather like you know like yeah like pant going on like that was a thing in that era yeah along with that cashmere it's like yeah your Uncle George just wanted to check in on you you, you kids are gonna be okay yeah that is uh. I mean, well, I may be old fashioned, but that that's fucking appealing as fuck. <laughs> no, <laughs> right? it's excellent. Right? That, that's yeah. like that's like because you don't want to <laughs> think about if romance relationships were just like come home from work, you're like, hey, can I have a steak and then we can fuck? I mean, that's, that's where we are now. It is it. <laughs> it's literally where we are uh, now. See, like future, future. The thing about yeah, it's you're funny. right. You're right. Future tries to like hide it with like you know the mumble rap. And like the the orchestration and the production, yeah. Where it's like okay, but ostensibly it's like steak, fuck, yeah. Like that's all it is, yeah, over yeah. and over again. But so, um, so yeah. besides the larger societal sociological implications of that, like how do we in ten years, literally, yeah. How I mean, besides also, uh, do me, Belbev Devoe, like. How did this degrade to where it just went out of style? Okay, so the funny thing that happened when rap music became a thing. and the, the, Okay, so number one, rap being largely based in this era off of people taking the very jazz records that like built this style mm -hmm. and sampling them and taking out the drum breaks, especially... Mm -hmm. And like you know, like you take a lot of melodic sections, but typically the drum breaks yeah. of a lot of these like jazz and disco records... For and sure. The funny part about these records is that the drums are not at the front. 
the drums mm-hmm. are either not there, basically, they're barely there, no. they're, but and they're so far in the back because everything in the front. You got bass, and you got that that like ding 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 ding. Right, yeah, like but the drums, chords? you're not, you know, like you're not really worried too much about like right. the drums are there. I mean, unless like you know you have a big break and you let like you know your drum your drummer do a, right. a thing. Right, right, right. But right. when they decided to take the 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 breaks of these records, and because it was rapid, because it had to be different, and because it had to be big, bold, and bad, and they put the breaks at the front of the record, and the drums are at the front, then that changes the whole style of the record i agree and i mean how much of the stuff was being taken by hip-hop like it was being appropriated from hip-hop I well mean, like i said we're talking about like, bob james like take me to the mardi gras yeah from 1974 yeah. is the, the the back the backing of peter piper like it is and and the weather report sampled by you know a tribe <laughs> called quest to that's, that's, to, one, to that's great. one jazz band that we didn't talk about because right. it's a whole you, you're gonna get in a hole if you start talking about right, that but i mean but those are things you know so yeah. like a lot of you know artists from that era like mr magic mm-hmm. uh by grover washington jr is sampled by everybody you know heavy d sampled it for uh soul for reals candy rain yeah because and, these were yeah. the records that they were growing up on this right. is what you had exactly so i mean so that's the thing it's like once you put the drums at the front Mm-hmm. And you take away like a lot of the like the orchestration right. from the record, then it's like, oh, so what are you gonna say when when it's not the melody or like the the like the the bass line that is grabbing you, but instead it's kick, kick. It's like that. What you're thinking when you hear that is not. Yeah, yeah. Tell me what's on your mind. Let's do it subtly. No, no. Let's no, do no, that. No, it's like, it's like non-subtly. Let's fuck. Like, that's what you're thinking, <laughs> you know? Like, it is. God damn it. <laughs> that is, like, look, I mean, this is honestly, it's funny because this is what most pop music boils down to. Yeah. It's a uh, relationship aid. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you didn't, like, when you were in college, if you didn't play music in your dorm room to maybe uh, seduce a Makeda lady. Always did. Yeah. You know, well, we know about you. you slow have, hits. Yeah, slow hits. Uh, shit, that needs to come out. <laughs> I will start a record label to release that. Oh, uh, I, I, it has right to be now, done. It so. has to be done. I mean, um, yeah. But, uh, you know. And there's a lot of these songs with slow hits, by the way. I Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know. All sorts of 80s pop on that. All sorts. You know, but. At why now, then, is this. Because I think George Benson. That song that that's ne- that will never be looked down upon, right? But in general, what we're looking at is this whole style of music that I love. Yeah, as do and, I. And we were joking about this, my lady. I <laughs> could have been the end of us if I had actually done research <laughs> all weekend, like I was joking I was going to do by playing it all weekend. But uh, you know, this type of music is pretty roundly, I think, maligned in mm-hmm. modern music, and I don't even think we hear modern pop stars revisiting it like Funny story if- i was gonna work this in somewhere it's a perfect place to work it in i interviewed zed the edm producer once yep. in the middle of a castle in uh the suburbs of philadelphia mm-hmm. yeah it was around the time that he was releasing his true colors album because the castle was white uh white was one of the colors that he was you know like influenced by for making a track so he listened to his track that was influenced by the color white in his white castle i got to interview him for uh for complex he was his influence by white yeah the, i mean I that's just that, that's never good. mind. That's a whole other podcast. It's so good, so problematic. Good. Anyway, so so in any event, I'm sitting there and I'm doing this interview with him, and so I asked him the question. I'm like, 
well, you know, I just wanted to know like what you're listening to these days to inspire like, you know, the next round of music that you're going to be making. And he's like, oh, you, you wouldn't know this song. And I go, no, 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 no. I'm like, I've been writing about music for a long time mm-hmm. now and I'm largely influenced by music. So yeah. I'm like, I'm, I know volumes of music. He's like, oh, you've probably, you've literally never heard this song. <laughs> and, and I go, well, tell me what it is. He goes, yeah. oh, it's, it's, a, it's a 70s thing. And I go, well, I absolutely probably know what it is at that point. Right. And he's like, no, no, no. And I'm like, yes, yes, yes. And then finally he's like, you, you, you don't know who George Benson is, do you? And I go, give me the night, right? And he's like, oh, it's the best song ever. <laughs> <laughs> right. And it was great because he just, he literally just opened right up. And he's like, it's the best song ever. I love it. I think it's amazing. Right. I mean, and unironically just, too. Yeah, like unironically, he sat there and like just stared at me for 20 minutes. Mm-hmm. We talked about Give Me the Night. So there's like a space in this interview where like I had to like edit most of it out for like the purposes of giving it the complex. But there's like 20 minutes where we're talking about like Give Me the Night and Quincy Jones Mm -hmm. and the Brothers Johnson Stomp. We talked about Off the Wall and all of those pieces that we put together. Like Zed, who's a musical genius as well, like totally was like inspired by this. So something I'm realizing as as we do, uh, because this is the first year we've done these classic albums. And but we've been doing this for almost 300 episodes now. I think you've been actually doing it for almost 100. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is crazy. Uh, and something I'm starting to realize is the group of people who are really responsible for mm-hmm. what we're doing. Yeah, not what we're doing, but like yeah. musically, right? Is actually really small. Super small. Because if you could point to one album and then you can name 50. That that influence, yeah, that's super small, and that's even like in the eighties, we didn't have this just mass explosion of of content that we could just consume. And I and I'm calling it content because a lot right. of the music that comes out today is simply it's that simply content. It's yeah. not it's not worth anything. It's not worth more than the bits that it's transmitted on. Yep, and uh, but you can if you pay attention. You can go and look around and be like, oh, this came from this. This came from this. And the number of seeds is not, it's just not that big, which is kind of wild. Yeah, it's it's nuts. Like, when you look at, like, we did that 20-year history, and it's like, Stevie Wonder. Right. Quincy Jones. Right. Michael Jackson. Yeah. Prince. Yeah. Teddy Riley. Jimmy Jam. Mm Mm-hmm. And Terry Lewis. And, and, and with That's those, like seven people. So seven people, and you have literally the entire soul music <laughs> of the 80s. Yeah. Like, like no, no shit people. The whole thing. Like, that is, you know, you know, what Prince went on to do with, like, Purple Rain broke that in a lot of ways. And, yeah. and, and, and but he, look, he is Prince. Right. Um, uh, but even, I mean, but, like, even... <laughs> Even Stevie Wonder fell in line. I just called to yeah. say I love you. Like this right. sounds terrible. Like but it's great. It's but it's totally in the same it's totally, school. It's totally in the same school. Right. And, and at it's the like, same it's time, like, well, it's like eighty five. Yeah. So it's totally in the same school. But that's also because they came up like playing at the same time, and it wasn't like George ben- George Benson was a peer. He was not. Yeah. You know, we I keep people- reiterating this. Legendary jazz guitar player. If Just you, we meant, yeah, we mentioned this on a previous podcast, but you know he was doing things like albums with Beatles covers on them because that's what the previous generation did, mm-hmm. and it worked really well for them. Didn't work out so well right. <laughs> for people doing that, and they were having to find their place because 
you know, also if you're talking about jazz clubs where this guy's going to go, you aren't <laughs> you aren't going to set you aren't going to set up at the Green Mill in Chicago. No, and be like, play me some Gimme Tonight. No, <laughs> not at all. No, you're, you're not going through like classic chops, and then you're breaking into some other pieces. Right, right, right. But that's what that was his gig, the classic chops. Yeah, of course. But people just weren't setting up at the Green Mill. No, so it's crazy. Like, and it, just look at like, and for me also, what's intriguing is like when you see like, because I always like to talk about how like I did it on the Chainsmokers podcast. We were talking mm-hmm. about how like you could take like a jazz song and a polka song and put it together. And it could turn into, it could be absolute shit. Yeah. And that's the thing that, like, but you still have to, like, do the, the work of, like, putting these things together. But it's the amount of stuff that they put together and the time in which they put it together that makes all of these songs work. Like, mm-hmm. people always ask me, like, I was talking to someone about this podcast today, and they're like, all those songs sound exactly alike. I'm like, but they're all great. Yeah. Because they found, like, the exact pieces of this stuff. It's like, okay, so we take the percussion from disco... And we'll take the, you know, some of the or- some of the more orchestral pieces from jazz, and we'll take like the 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 vocals and the songwriting from pop and soul, and then we'll put them all together, mm-hmm. and you know, like put that out. I mean, like this track we've played, "Love Times Love." You've got "Off Broadway," which is essentially on Broadway, which yeah. has the most fucking. Uh, yeah, man, it's the most subversive line. Yeah. It, kids, ask your parents, look up on Wikipedia what <laughs> yes. making time is. Yeah. And then go and then go look at the lyrics. Broadway, you on did Broadway. This, right? Might be about prostitution. I yeah. don't know. Uh, <laughs> you got, but you've got that into like Moody's Mood, Give Me the Night, What's on Your Mind, uh, Denora, Denora, uh, Love Dance. I, I think I think the, uh, the the love ship has landed that. Yep. <laughs> Star of the story. I mean, that could be. Midnight uh, Love Affair was uh, covered a lot of times. Actually, it's a really great one. Let's play a little clip of that before we get yeah, out of here. Yeah, so this yeah, is yeah. Midnight Love it. Affair. Yeah. You have a little boy. You really love. I have a little doctor that I place no one above. If by chance you see me walking down the street, you know that eyes like ours should never ever meet. We're just a midnight love affair. We get together and go nowhere. I'd really like to tell the world we care, but we're just another late night love. Yes, just another midnight love affair. I mean, look, that is what we said. Like all these pop songs and pop music in general is about getting people together. That's what music is about. Period. You can get into prog rock. You can get into like all these like wonky shit. You can get into hardcore jazz. But even in jazz, and this was really remarkable, and and to me, and I've been pledging to go to more jazz clubs. There's a weird ass one up here on 12th Street. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's like the Brooklyn Jazz Society or something. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Is that that was meant to get people together? Yeah, and it wasn't a dance. It wasn't like a sock hop, like uh, the crackers had. You know, <laughs> <laughs> you know, it, it is you're going to see like people play this hardcore, impossible. Like you have to be skilled music, mm-hmm. which 
means that it's a very sensual right type of music and this is a very sensual album right like think i mean the thing to think about like leaving uh, moving past this record to the close of the show because mm-hmm. think about what happens in like five years for all of the dudes who made to make butterfly yeah like when like so like right now all these guys are making like improvisational free jazz records like kamasi mm-hmm. washington can't make a song that's not 15 minutes long you know, I ha- I still haven't listened to that. Yeah, Eduardo said it's amazing, and I'm, I'm going to listen yeah, to it. But did, he, did more write it up? Yeah. Okay. He doesn't know how to make a song that's not 15 minutes long. Okay. Yeah. At some point, he will figure out, because life will come along and say, you know, this 15-minute this money is, is running short. So, like, maybe I need to learn how to do this in three minutes and 30 seconds. But, I mean, when by, they, when by, by the analogy it, we're working with, not to interrupt, like, yeah. he could be thinking on Sting level. 15 minutes is fine, bro. <laughs> but I mean, for the purposes of like, where you look at like how this, how this improvisational jazz era suddenly gets like co-opted into like mm-hmm. mainstream top 43 minute and 30 second pop, like, which is what happened here. You know, like that's yeah. largely what happened on this album. It's like, they, that's like the album's great victory is that like you took this improvisational era of jazz and then crystallized it down and then turned it into mass produced and it, not shit, like actual no. not shit, like. That's the problem because, people... because everybody was like the most talented person in the room, right? So I mean, when you get an era now where you have like all these guys who are the most talented people in the room doing free jazz, there's going to come a point where they're going to stop and go, you know, maybe there's a way of doing this and 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 making it three and a half minutes long, maybe five minutes long, and like p- p- taking you know like taking Thundercat's bass line from here and taking you know something that robert did on the piano over here right and let's let's take another piece from you know like miles mosley over I dig there it, i dig it and dig it and you know like let's take these pieces and put them together and let's find like kalani or mm-hmm. alicia cara or any great number of people yeah, who I dig it sing these songs in the world right now justin bieber probably <laughs> sad but true he lost me you know, but he's, he's, this guy will get involved in it. I, I was on the roller coaster ride, and the tracks just know, broke, brother. It, that, that's the eventual end of it. Right. Like, it'll, it, there'll be some great records that'll be made when these guys figure out, like, oh, we can get to get back together and make five minute long pop songs and put somebody's voice on top of it. And as long as that person's voice is like gifted enough to like do a thing, it's a hit every single time. Just like these songs are hits. Are, every are single we, time. Are we... As a culture, like there, there's a there's a saying like good music is never not good, right? Yeah. So people who look back at stuff, uh, ironically, fuck you. I it's no, there's no irony in any of these. There's records, no right? irony in any of these, right? There certainly wasn't any irony in playing this. Yeah, give me the night. There, give me the night is like when people ironically, like ironically talk about give me the night. I question their taste in music because that that song is unironically astounding every single time you hear it. Because you pick up something that you didn't hear in well, the I think time. it's okay to enjoy it. Just right. don't comment on it if you don't. Yeah. Like, if you're, if you're just like, this is just this piece of thing. You don't know anything about it. You don't want to know anything about it. That's fine. But don't don't look at it like, oh, it wasn't this quaint. No. Because it wasn't quaint. It might mean. have been the reason you are born. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah. Um, that's not like, exactly, I mean, that's a real thing. I mean, know? I could thank George Duke. For me being here, there you go, there you go. <laughs> George Duke I Quincy wonder Jones. about that, you know. <laughs> George Duke, that's a whole nother podcast, but I can't imagine like, you know, parking garage, sixteen years old, yeah, 
1971. Right. Could have been a lot of things. Exactly. Exactly. Could have been a lot right. of things. Could have definitely been. But I know for me specifically, it was Quincy Jones and George Duke Records. They yeah. put me on planet Earth. Yeah. See? There you go. You know what? It probably was Boston. <laughs> I, 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 I think. I think. I, I don't even have to guess. More than like, there it is. Yeah, just do. But you know, this music existed then, and it, can it exist now? What with what you're saying, right? Like, can and it doesn't need to sound necessarily like this, but the, it, the vibe I think you've got from us talking to this, and hopefully you listened to the album before you started listening to us. Uh, there's a vibe to it. Yeah, and once you it's lock it on the vibe, music. right? And once you lock it on that vibe, it's like amazing. You know, you can just so can people do it now? Yeah, I mean, but but okay. So like, everybody who's making this music right now are kids. They're literal kids. Huh? They're like all roughly between the ages of like twenty five, twenty five and thirty five. Okay. So I'm I'm thirty nine right now, and I can tell you that when you get around like thirty nine or forty, you slow down a little bit and you stop yeah. and go, you know. Maybe, maybe these, maybe all these guys will want to have kids one day. Yeah. Maybe they'll like, like in the case of like, you know, like Childish Gambino with uh, the record he just put out. Yeah. Where it was like, I want my son, whom I have, you know, just brought into the world to understand what good music sounds like. So I am going to get with these session players and make good music Why for my son to listen to. He, I mean, he tried. He really tried. Like, <laughs> uh, no, he, I'm kidding. He wanted his it's son. It's grown on me. Right. I know. He wanted his son. You know what good music is. Right. So it's like, I'm going to make all of the great songs. And that is actually in the spirit of this, because at the same time, that's honoring like his relationship or lack of relationship with, with, with the mother. Right. At least saying, like, honoring how it got, how, how things got there. Right. Exactly. And so, what life is, because, look, most people were either sleeping, eating, or fucking. Yeah. Totally. Like, that's... That's wildly reductive. Right. But Especially truth, here though. in the nation's capital. Yeah, this is true. But that is uh, the lizard brain. That's what the lizard brain wants. Yeah. But I think that, like I said, I think that there's a thing when these people all get to a certain age and they all want to, or, or they get to a point where they want to slow down with their careers mm. and you have more time to like sit back and think about like construct. Because the thing is right now is that everybody is in the, the, the push right now. Because it's like, okay, all the money's on the table. All the tours are available. All the fame is there. Like, once you do all the tours, once you get all the fame, and once you make all the money, then you have a second to stop and go. Because that's what all these guys did. Yeah. Like, we didn't talk about the fact that, like, the Newport Jazz Festival for, like, 15 years was, was this. that. And it was amazing. Was that. Like, yeah, yeah. Like, like, Quincy Jones has, has it live at Newport in 61, which is one of the greatest jazz albums yeah. of all time. You know, so that, that's the thing. It's like, these, they, they all were famous. Yeah. They all were wildly famous in their own lane. Just like Kamasi and Thundercat and Miles Mosley and all these guys are all now becoming famous in their own lanes. And at some point, they're just going to stop. Like, these guys all did and go, man, we're all famous and wealthy. You know what I think we should do? What? I think as we're working on this, Miles Mosley might be listening to this. Yeah. I think we should do part two of this. Yeah. With Miles. Okay, I'm down. Yeah. There it is. Miles, are you out there? Are you, are you hearing us? Gotta, I, I think I think you might dig this conversation. Yeah, I think it's I think it's the you know, win because you're right. I mean, they they were all. If you're playing Newport Jazz Fest, you are a fucking superstar, <laughs> right? Like that is the biggest, right? Because you could imagine when you think about it like that, you're like, okay, so we all these people are like wildly famous mm -hmm. and all super successful, and then it's like Quincy Jones is like, I got this idea. 
So, so see George here, he's got to make a, a pop record. Yeah. So, so what we're going to do is we're going to make like a pop record for George. So if you guys want to help out, we're going to make a pop record. We're going to make like five minute pop records. Mm -hmm. So like, if y'all want to help, yeah, just come on in with some ideas. Like you don't have to bring all your shit. Just bring like a real solid, like snippet of like what you think is like the hottest shit you got. Yep. And just bring that in. And I'm sure for all these guys, they're just like, oh, well, this will be fun. Right. Not like this will not like this will be impossibly hard and, and we must succeed. And but that's like, and that's that's a perfect place to land it. Mm -hmm. Because at the end of the day, you know, we we portion we think about uh this album, uh the sexuality of its of mm -hmm. this album, the sensuality of this oh, album, oh, sure. the musical like place in history, but at the end of the day, it's fucking fun. The most fun. You hear any of those songs that we played and it's you're like, that's not fun. Probably dead inside. Totally. Like, open up your heart. Just let it in. Mm -hmm. Let it in. I'm guessing you might be alone. You might be living in a basement. But do that. And, uh, and when you're playing this, open the windows. Yeah. Maybe somebody will walk by me. Oh. Love times love. Love times time. love. There it is. <laughs> That's the equation, man. Love times love. Love times love. Um. Yeah, I, th I think that's... I think we could do this for another like hour or two, but I think that's good enough. I think that's good. I think so. The formula: love times love. There it is. And then you get give me the night. So uh, I'm glad we did this, dude. Man, me too. <laughs> Absolutely. I, 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 it's I, ridiculous, but it's great. But it's great because yeah. it's a great album. Yeah. Good lord. Well, uh, you'll be back soon. Of course, I'm sure I will. Yeah. So later. Right on. Lots of love Oh yeah, George Benson's "Give Me the Night." So smooth, so smooth, you know. Uh, man, that was that's fun. That's fun chat, man. So you know. I mentioned an article a couple weeks ago, or last week actually, that a good friend uh, Julian Kimball wrote about binge watching um, TV and Netflix and all that sort of escape from the the fresh hell that is every day of modern existential horrors uh, here in the Trump era, and uh, and uh, it's a great article, man. I think a lot of us are feeling it, and it, and it doesn't have just to do with Trump. It's just sometimes. You know, people are anxious, people are depressed and whatnot. Uh, so I highly recommend you reading it. We're going to put it in the show notes again. Um, the point I'm trying to make is that a lot of these we do for, for you guys. We just do, and we do for the bands. We do to spread the word about the music. I mean, you, maybe you have heard some of this, maybe you haven't. Um, and it's fun for us, but that's generally our, our MO. But uh, this one, I think this was legitimately just... Yeah, I was like, "Hey, man, Marcus, you, you like you like George Benson? You want to hang out and uh, drink a little bourbon and talk about George Benson?" And uh, it was a good time with my friend. So uh, sometimes, sometimes you got to do that. And if you have any way to do that with your friends, and uh, I highly recommend. It. If you have a way to do it with Mister Dowling, I recommend that too. Uh, that is our podcast for this week. We're going to be back on Monday with a review of Sylvanesso and Thursday with the Gorillas album, Humans. Both are pretty hype. 
Uh, if you liked what you heard and you want to hear those, you make sure you get those right when they come out. You can subscribe to us on iTunes. Uh, you can leave us a rating or a message there, uh, either a star or a nice book-length review. Uh, if you will, you can also, if you're Android and stuff, you can do it on Google Play, uh, Stitcher, Mixcloud, up on SoundCloud occasionally. If you'd like to uh, see and be in the know of everything we do, because we're not just a podcast, we are a blog as well. You know, I used to hate that word, and I'm like, okay. Uh, and the reason is because you have people like Matt Condon and Mauricio Castro out killing it every night, covered in pretty much every live show that comes to D.C., to the best music photographers in the biz. Uh, also, shout out that we haven't been doing this a lot lately, but our our podcast hosting company, uh, Pippa. Now, this this is a company that started up recently, and we switched over at the beginning of the year. And so far, this has made this. Um, before we were we, we our site's still hosted on Squarespace, but this has made it so easy, and uh, we can track it now. We can see what you guys are listening to. You guys love these old albums, but take back into the, the newer stuff that we're talking about. But I like that you love the old albums. And uh, it's just a great little company, uh, real simple. Right now it's free to sign up, so if you have something you want to talk about and you're like, I need to have a podcast so I can be the last person on Earth uh, that maybe doesn't, because that's probably you if you don't have a podcast yet, uh, go to Pippa.io and sign up for free and uh, see how that treats you. And uh, speaking of being on podcasts, if you like what we're doing and you think that this is the thing for you, and you're good at running your mouth, and you're not an asshole, uh, hit me up at Kevin at ChunkyGlasses.com, and we might have you over here down in the basement. You know, we talk two or three times a week, and uh, it's generally uh, a good hang with cats and some adult beverages, and uh, hopefully some scintillating and intelligent conversation. Although that last part, I'm not too convinced, uh, even after almost 300 episodes now. So, uh... So do that if you're in the D.C. area. Or not. It's okay. Yeah. We're, 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 we're going to be down here regardless. Um, we thank you guys for tuning in. We will be back on Monday. Um, until then, be good to your ears, but be better to your people. We'll talk to you soon. <laughs> oh, <my God. laughs> Kenobi!